Hello, everybody. I'm Paul Menzel. And I'm Jim Conlon. And we're the Old Dogs. We're a couple of boomers in our 70s that want to grow bolder, not older. We'll share with you the ways we howl at the moon, the fascinating old dogs we meet, and the new tricks that we learn. Our goal is to rethink that phrase, act your age. As the old philosopher Bob Dylan once said, those not busy being born are busy dying. So if you've got 20 minutes or so to kill, grab a cup of coffee, pull up a chair, and join us. In this podcast, we'll reflect on what a difference the space race made on our young lives. We'll find out what's happening to some of NASA's historical property. We'll pay tribute to Stan Lee, who just died at the age of 95. We'll talk about how beards may be good for your allergies. We'll discuss how graying entrepreneurs can start new businesses after retirement. We have a movie review about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And in the Old Dogs interview, we'll reach out to a great-grandmother who was elected mayor of an East Texas city. Stay with us. So, Jim, what's on your mind? Well, I noticed that uh, one of the things we're going to talk about today is uh, NASA apparently is losing track of some of its property, uh, which I thought was uh, kind of weird, considering how much it costs. And anyway, started thinking about NASA and how it related to when I was really emerging as an adult in the 60s and how much it meant to me. Do you remember anything about that? Well, I'll tell you the big thing I remember was uh, Sputnik. Oh, yeah, 57. And uh, this shock that, oh, my God, the Russians, German scientists are better <laughs> than our German scientists. <laughs> what is the world coming to? And how this was reflected in my life is there was a big push uh, for math and science. Right. In middle schools, high schools. Which I resisted furiously, by <laughs> the way. You? Oh, yes. Oh, I, I drank the Kool-Aid. Oh, oh really? Yeah. I enjoyed math. In fact, I was a math major for the first year of college, but it is a product, really, of Sputnik. Yeah. In a very real sense, the push to uh, math and science were what were important in our lives. So, uh, you know, thinking about when it started with Sputnik and everything that happened between that moment in 57 and, say, the moon landing, the first moon landing in 69. Think about all of the stuff that was vivid in our minds during that time. Yeah, and it, it was a great source of pride. I mean, you, you were proud to be an American. We were achieving uh, these amazing things in, in outer space, and it, was, it really was a game we're playing with the Russians, you know? They'd make a touchdown and we'd make a touchdown. You know? Yeah, and we sort of had this sort of a combination of resent and admiration. I mean, you, you've got to admire somebody like Yuri Gagarin okay. and Alan Shepard. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. These, were, these were heroes. These were people. They were. And the eight original astronauts, we remembered their names. You know, I mean, they were, they were heroes. John were. Glenn, all yeah. of his life, he was recognized and remembered. And then there were all of these uh, sort of one-of-a-kind accomplishments that led to all kinds of scientific breakthroughs, like Tang. <laughs> really? <laughs> Where would it be today without – or Velcro, for that matter. Right. It's, it's made my life. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, sometimes it, uh, a product of this was a realization that are we on the right track, for example? Uh, remember, the Russians put the first woman into space. Mm -hmm. And suddenly you go, well, where's our woman? 
you know, the space program was totally male. That's true. And, you know, it took a while for female astronauts to come on the Right. Scene. Sally Ride. Wasn't yeah. she the first? For me, anyway, when we finally had a moon landing, I mean, that seemed to be the end point because that's what the competition was all about, to be the first one on the moon. And once that happened, it, it seemed to me that my interest in NASA and the space program started to decline. Hmm. This was 69. Yeah. And there was so much going on in the world that really started to seem more important. We had the Vietnam War going on. Uh, we were on the edge of Watergate. Uh, there was uh, a sense of us and them regarding the government. Mm -hmm. And uh, suddenly the space program seemed less and less important. How about you? Well, I, I wonder if our listeners feel the same way. Maybe that's something that we can throw out there for them to comment on. So, Jim, uh, it's obvious NASA has a history of remarkable missions. Yep. It's clear it's expanded our knowledge of the universe with pictures, exploration, and experiments. Yeah. So tell me this. Why does the agency that documents the stars have trouble keeping track of their stuff? What are you talking about? Well, the Washington Post for October 31st, 2018, wrote about missing paraphernalia. A recent report from the Office of Inspector General states that a significant amount of historic property has been lost, misplaced, or taken. And, kiddo, we're not talking pens and paper clips here. Here are some items mentioned in the report. A moon rover prototype was found in a residential neighborhood in Alabama. The owner was willing to return it, but after waiting for four months for a decision from NASA, he sold the rover to a scrap dealer. The scrap dealer then sold the rover at auction for an undisclosed amount. You know, I got to wonder how they found that residential neighborhood in Alabama. Uh, he was probably using it for a golf cart. Huh? <laughs> Here's another one. NASA lost track of a lunar collection bag containing lunar dust. It was retrieved in 2013, but the U.S. Marshal Service sold it in 2015 to a private citizen for $995. That must have been their rock bottom price. In 2017, the bag was auctioned for $1.8 million. In 1985, a NASA supervisor told an employee to throw away three Apollo 11 hand controllers. Instead, the employee took them home and years later sold them to a collector. Okay, there are several things at play here. NASA has a lot of stuff for many decades of operation. It needs to be cleared out periodically. Fine. But they lack processes to separate historical stuff from stuff that is just exotic rubbish. So items of historical value can be misplaced, given away, taken home, or trashed. NASA has agreed that a better process is needed to identify and manage historical property. So until then, we'll continue to see NASA stuff up for auction. By the way, anybody interested in an Atlas rocket? Uh, no. From time to time, we're going to do a shout-out to a senior who has led a long and interesting life. Well, such a man certainly was Stan Lee, who died recently at the age of 95. Now, unless you're a comic book fan, the name may not mean a lot. In the 60s, he was the main writer and editor who brought success to Marvel Comics. 
His superheroes had personal problems and feet of clay. He made comics relevant and fun again. He perhaps didn't share the spotlight with the artists who drew the characters and help with the plot lines. Hey, but you got to give him credit for popularizing complicated plot lines, ironic dialogue, and complex superheroes at a time when comic books were being dumbed down. The Marvel pantheon of characters includes Spider-Man, Thor, Iron Man, Captain America, and the Hulk. And these characters have all been very successfully transferred to the big screen in the last 20 years. Wasn't Casper one of his? (laughs) Casper the friendly superhero? Yeah. You know, lots of people are wearing beards these days. Oh, really? Yes. And if you ask any one of them, how come you wear a beard? They may have some kind of lame excuse. Well, now there's a really good one. Health benefits. For a beard. Yes. Health for a beard. This item comes to us from the Houston Chronicle E-Edition for October 21st, 2018. There are two ways that a beard can protect you from airborne allergens. They filter the pesky particles before they can go into your mouth or nose. Plus, the ones that are trapped in your beard act as a form of immunotherapy by desensitizing you to the allergens over time. Of course, you need to clean your filter from time to time, and there are a range of creams, washes, and lotions available for facial hair. We should note that uh, just hanging out with bearded friends doesn't help filter your air. You still have to grow one of your own. Now, that assumes that you can. Jim, you're aware that a lot of folks our age are going back to work, right? Well, that's why I'm here talking to you right now. You mean like they're all starting podcasts? (laughs) Well, what we want to suggest is if you have to go back to work to supplement retirement savings, the options for jobs are somewhat limited. If you don't want to be a greeter at a big box store or bag groceries, you might consider starting your own business. According to the New York Times for September 17, 2018, the number of self-employed New Yorkers over 50 rose to nearly a quarter of a million people in 2016. Wow. Now, these older entrepreneurs are part of a national trend. They're finding that they can leverage the skills from a previous job or hobby into their own business. For example, a former speech therapist has started a business to help immigrants reduce their accents. Not bad. And a former financial sales executive turned her hobby of making candy into a successful toffee business. So if the idea of starting your own business sounds risky, there is help. Since 2016, the AARP Foundation has a program for older entrepreneurs called Work for Yourself at 50+. Plus in more than two dozen major cities. So check that out. Paul, I think it's time we reviewed a film. And that would be for what reason? Well, I'm going to recommend a film that is, in fact, a documentary. I understand that documentaries are the film equivalent of eating your broccoli. They're good for you whether you like them or not. But this film called RBG is more like eating your mac and cheese. I love that. Yeah. It's a joyful ride through the life of progressive Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, known on the Internet as the Notorious RBG. I realize that many of you may not share her politics, but while this film reports on her lifelong activism for women's rights, it is not polemical. 
It is more accurately a celebration of the exceptional life of this smart, accomplished woman at the age of 85. She remains an eloquent and gracious voice of dissent on a Supreme Court that has become increasingly polarized. Here are some highlights Her daily workout, a reflection of her discipline. Her longtime friendship with the late Justice Antonin Scalia. They shared a love of opera, although their politics couldn't be more divergent. Her subtle and droll sense of humor. And finally, her 63 year marriage to Martin Ginsburg, who was her greatest champion and partner in a marriage we could all envy. The movie, RBG, had a brief theatrical release and can now be seen on Amazon Prime. It's worth the time. If you prefer your biographies in print, there is a book published in 2015 called Notorious RBG The Life and Times of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Our interview in this podcast is with Mayor Judy Cochran of Livingston, Texas. Now, this has been quite a year for Judy. She was elected mayor of her town, became a great grandmother for the first time, and she bagged a 12 foot alligator with one shot. Judy,、uh, when I first read about you,、uh, I was wondering, gee, why is this lady running for mayor? But you have、uh, a fairly long tradition of public service in Livingston.、Uh, could you tell us about that? Well, I, I ran to、uh, fill a seat on the city council in 2005. So、uh, I went on the council and I've served on the council since that date. And I've served with two different mayors. Well, then、uh, Mayor Evans decided not to run again. And I had served as his mayor pro tem for six years. So I thought, I could do that. So I filed my paperwork, and no one else filed to run against me. So I actually was elected mayor without having an election because、What? nobody else chose to run against me. Now, I don't know if they thought I could do a good job. Or if they just didn't care. <laughs> But、uh, anyway, so I became mayor and was sworn in on May the 15th of 2018. So, so what, what is a typical day for you as mayor? What kind of things do you work on? Well, the mayor is actually the, the figurehead of the city.、Uh, but we have the mayor and the city council, so I conduct the city council meetings and then make personal appearances like this past Monday, the Garden Club. Had a, a little ceremony honoring the veterans at our Blue Star marker that's out on Highway 190. So they had a little ceremony out there. So I attended and thanked all of the veterans for, for what they do. And、uh, it was just a little brief ceremony. But what I do personally as mayor, it, there's not a definite job description. I'm available most times in the event that, as I said, this phone call comes in and, Mayor, we need you to do such and such, or would you speak next Tuesday when we have a lighting ceremony at the, the city where we turn on all of the Christmas lights? And so I don't have a job as such designated that you know, I have to do certain things on certain days other than conduct council meetings and、uh, make personal appearances, et cetera.、Uh, kind of like Queen Elizabeth, huh? <laughs> That's a great comparison. I've not thought of that, but I'll, I'll certainly make a note of that.、Uh, say, could you describe for people listening to this podcast what Livingston is like? Livingston still has the small town atmosphere in that we all know what vehicle everybody drives. So if I drive by my attorney's office and I see his vehicle there, I know he's in the office today. 
and people do me that way. Oh, she's in her office today, so we'll just drop by and visit with her. Uh, but we're growing very quickly, so I'm hoping we don't ever lose that small-town atmosphere. But because we are growing and because of our location, you know, we have to, to keep up with the times, but yet still keep that small-town atmosphere. So I, I like to think of Livingston still as being small-town, but a growing small town. Well, you know, Judy, uh, you created quite a bit of news uh, a little while ago where uh, you ended up uh, capturing a 12-foot alligator. Well, uh, we have a ranch south of Livingston, and there are several ponds around on the ranch, and there are alligators there. It's a great breeding ground, I guess, for alligators. But we've had alligators there for as long as I can remember. And uh, you have to get permits from the wildlife biologist in order to uh, kill an alligator. And he has to come first and do a survey and determine how many permits he will allow you to purchase. So the wildlife biologist had done his survey, and he determined we could have two permits for this particular year. And the hunting season in Polk County for alligators is September the 10th through September the 30th. There's only 20 days in there. So you have to have this permit. You have to have your hunting license. So we knew there were large gators in this particular pond. And I had told my son-in-law, who manages the ranch, I said, okay, the next large gator is mine. Because in 2005, my grandson, who was only five at the time, uh, killed a 12-foot-7 alligator in the same pond. So he called me that Monday morning and said, uh, Nana, we've got a big gator. And he said, I think this is the big one. So I was at my office, and I said, well... Scott, I've got to go to the post office. I have to go to the bank. I can't just walk out and come down there. And, of course, I was dressed in, you know, a business suit and heels and et cetera. So I said, I have to go home and change clothes, too. He said, well, okay, I'll meet you down there. So I quickly ran to the bank and to the post office and ran home and changed clothes and then met him at the ranch, and they had this huge gator. So I was able to just walk up there and kill it and they measured it at the taxidermist. It was 12 feet long, wow. and they weighed it, and it weighed 580 pounds. Holy moly. Judy, I have one more question. Uh, this sure. has clearly been the year of women running for office. Uh, it's, yes. It's rather exciting. Do you, do you consider yourself part of that movement, or do you have any observations on it? No, I really don't consider myself part of that movement. Uh now, believing in women's rights, yes, I do. But uh, I, I think there was an influx of women in this midterm election because I think some of those women perhaps thought, well, the men haven't gotten the job done, so I think we women will kind of move in and see if we can get elected. But I've, I've never felt the desire to run because I was a woman, thinking that I could do the job better than the men could. I think I can do it equally as well. But I don't think my being a woman should have any influence over the voters that, as you said, this is the year of the women. But I did notice that in the midterm elections, that there were so many women who did get elected. Well, in any case, you are the mayor of Livingston, and you are doing the job that uh, you were appointed to do, and it sounds like you're enjoying it. Do you have any final thoughts, perhaps uh, advice to people of our age? Uh, when they think about maybe doing something exciting, what would you say to them? I would say go for it. 
I, I don't want to sit at home and become a couch potato. I, I think as long as I'm active, and that's another reason I walk every morning, is to, my neighbor is 87 years old, oh and I know if, I know I, she's going to be waiting for me to come out and walk, so I have to walk with her, too. Uh, so I think that keeps me healthy, and that's that's the main reason I do it. But I enjoy it. I enjoy what I'm doing and coming to work every day. And if someone has a goal, go for it. You never know what coins are going to drop tomorrow, and uh, there's no promises for tomorrow. And I'm reminded of that quite frequently, so I think I'm very fortunate and blessed to be where I am today. And I think if... If someone out there has a goal of something they want to do, even if they are our age, they can still go for it and and do whatever. Well, it looks like we made it through another podcast. As you probably noticed, we need help. Mm -hmm. So please share what's on your mind. Head to our website, www.olddogspodcast.com. We'd love to hear how you howl at the moon.